WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade, goodmorningcomrade.com. We have a very special episode where uh, Scott and I uh, are joined by the returning champion, the wonderful Harvey K. Uh, Harvey is the professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. Uh, he is the author of several books on uh, Thomas Paine, FDR, and uh, most notably, the one we talk about the most is uh, Take Hold of Our History, Make America Radical Again. Uh, you can get more information about that uh, by checking out, uh, just just Google Harvey K, uh, Zero Books, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, we, we're just going to, without further ado, just jump right in uh, to this interview with Harvey K. talks about government as a necessary okay. evil and and they so they quote this idea government is an evil yeah yeah but in but in fact Payne then goes on to explain how a democratic kind of government would be a, a revolutionary change and he says at the end of the pamphlet we have it in our power to begin the world over again mm-hmm. which conservatives jump from the necessary evil of government to that yeah. and skip all the points about how you have to have separate you must have definitely separation of church and state Mm -hmm. that in america the law is king that in america there will be no aristocrats you get the idea so yeah just yeah but they love all that democracy out of it (laughs) yeah so they 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 cherry pick and try to hijack pain on the right i mean it's just like that uh uh that that quote uh curiosity killed a cat that's that first half Hmm? you know what curiosity killed a cat is like there's like another part to that i don't know anything about that yeah uh, I forget what it was. He's googling it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not familiar with. Yeah, let's not. We don't about. want to have dead air as we. Uh, as we I'm just not familiar. Curiosity killed the cat, and satisfaction brought it back. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, that's cherry picking, or yeah, I don't but, know. I but they sounds like they're really trying to Woody Guthrie uh, Thomas Paine, or they're trying to Thomas they're Paine. They're trying Woody to turn Guthrie. him into like what they did to Martin Luther King and make him like a conservative figure, you know. It's, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Simple. It's almost right. the exact same thing done by the exact same people. Yeah. I mean, conservatives do. Em- and by the way, they are conservatives and reactionaries are champions at hijacking history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, consider how they wrap themselves in the American flag, a flag that for all of the sins that we've committed and for all of the exploitation and oppression that marks American history, that flag is a rev- has was a revolutionary flag. Mm-hmm. But they, they wrap themselves in it. As if it's a, a a status quo kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yes, Woody Guthrie. I never knew who Woody Guthrie until I was in my twenties, and yeah. he's the guy who sang. He wrote the song I had to learn in elementary school. But this, this land, is, land your is your land, right? Yeah, and they cut off the entire part that they cut off. Always cut off the last part verse about the private property, right? Yeah, did at the at the inauguration yesterday was it Jennifer Lopez sang? I believe so. Yeah, it's not a rendition. I mean, she has a sweet voice, but it was a terrible 
terrible rendition. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a pop singer. It's, I mean, yeah, kind, of, kind of a clash yeah. of styles, you know? Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today? Or do you want to just go on with hijacking history and, and well, taking can, it back We can now. start with uh, hijacking history. I think we can get into we got a Biden, now what? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, I really... Well, hold on. To- I, I got to tell you something. I, look, last spring when Bernie pulled out of the race, okay, was forced out of the race, yeah. but he pulled out. But he pulled out really because he knew he knew he he knew what was going to what was going to happen. And more importantly, he actually wanted to make sure Biden won the presidency. Right. Yeah. Because he he recognized what what too many people failed to to appreciate. And that was that even if Donald Trump was an opportunistic, vulgar pig, he was a fascist wannabe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and Bernie lost family in the Holocaust, in you know, in the in the Nazis, you know, uh, uh, murders of murder of Jews, six million, and Bernie was not going to at all allow some fascist to to get reelected president. So he mm-hmm. did that. So anyhow, so at that I mean, as soon as as soon as that, he backed out, I'll just let me finish. Oh, sorry, sorry, just, no, no, I just I want to before I forget what I was going to say. I actually keep a copy of what I wrote and tweeted at the time, and I said that. You know, Biden may be deplorable, but Donald Trump is utterly despicable. And we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is taking innumerable lives. And as you know, we're over 400,000 dead. This was a it didn't have to be that kind of number. So the thing is, I said that, you know, the idea is to survive, to to live and fight another day. Mm -hmm. And the idea was we need to elect Biden so that People on the left, whether they're moderate, you know, as as the liberals or radicals or socialists, that our job is to, you know, fight another day. So here we are. Now, I have to tell you that I can offer you a full scale critique after we hear from Scott on what I thought of the inaugural address. But Mm -hmm. what I do want to say is that it it may not mean fighting Biden. It may mean challenging Biden. And that's right. I think that's important. Scott? I mean, it's it's just like anybody you like have to like exchange ideas with, you know, like you some you kind of tell them what they need to hear sometimes. Yeah. And he does need to hear it. And also, we should never forget this is really we have an incredible opportunity right now, in spite of the fact that Bernie's not the president. He is the chair of the Senate Budget Committee. Yeah, that's pretty and important. That, that is so crucial. And in spite of the fact that Pelosi did not leave the speakership as she should have done as a, as the honorable thing for her to do was to have stepped down because they lost seats in the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically speaking, she's a loser. Okay. And it's not, and, and does not help the Democrat or capital D democratic or progressive cause. And it's not her first but time losing either. That's what I mean. Yeah. I wouldn't have called her a loser just for this. Believe yeah. me. I mean, everyone's entitled to one time losing. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's, but it's, kind, it's kind of a miracle. They even pulled it off. Like, like that who, they didn't who, lose more, you might say, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but what we shouldn't forget as well is that the numbers of people who might come under the umbrella term the squad is, has increased mm-hmm. and will increase so long as we, in quotes, do the right thing. And I think that I think we have a real opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I don't see Biden as the enemy quite yet. I know his cabinet is a very, very unequal affair. You know, people from BlackRock, that big, you know, yeah. corporate enterprise on the one hand, but you also have some very good appointments that, that can make a significant difference. And it, it'll be interesting to see, let's talk labor for a second. It'll be interesting to see what Marty Walsh, the mayor of 
Boston yeah, will do because yeah, he America. comes out of the trades, not out of industrial unionism or service unionism. In fact, I don't know how service him. You know, I don't know how public employees in Boston actually view him. But the fact is, words coming out that they intend to actually promote unionism. And if that's the case, that that could make a that could make a radical difference. And I, mm-hmm. I and I don't think people should fail to appreciate. Well, that. I heard they fired that guy who was like put in charge of uh, yeah. The general yeah, council of the, yeah, that's like the first thing the they did. Council. Like it's like very, it's very like uh, out of order to like fire somebody on the first day, like on inauguration day. But mm-hmm. they were basically like, well, it sounded perfect in, put, to me. It sounded like a good idea to me. So I, yeah, yeah, you know? no, well, I was just kind of like yeah, sure. to, like all the crosstalk or whatever about it. Right. But, yeah. yeah. But he was Rob. like, hey, put in your resignation, and he was like, no, he's like, well, I guess you're fired then. Yeah. You know, I'll just tell you, I, I have two daughters, two grown daughters, and. My younger daughter, my older one is an architect in St. Louis. My younger one is a lawyer and, and she has been a part. She's an assistant attorney general of the state of New York this past for over a year now. And she got recruited into the attorney general's office to be part of a team of people to fight the, the Trump initiatives like executive yeah, yeah. orders, agency, the new agency rules. I mean, I can't tell you how hard she's worked this past year. So. But- how effective are those like mandates when he's not even in office anymore? Like, well, that's interesting you ask that because they they were fairly successful in teaming up with other states to block some of those mandates. Yeah, the yeah. question now is the mandates are still there. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, Biden did a whole series of executive orders to undo a series of things, but they are so numerous. Yeah, every agency and every branch of the federal government was issuing Trump esque rules and regulations so they're not they'll probably be in business for a bit more for the sake of just literally you know pushing the biden administration not to forget what needs what needs to be addressed like they're just going to be like a protest kind of government or whatever a protest (laughs) well it's hard to see a assistant attorney general as a protest operation well you know you know (laughs) sorry i'm just i'm just you know i'm just we're bantering, right? Yeah. It's almost a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, these are the people who taught me how to do my job. So I'm always going to kind of do it a little bit like them, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. One of the things I took, I took civics in uh, in St. Bernard Parish, so I'm not exactly like rock hard on this. <laughs> well, one of the things, though, that it is extremely important that we shouldn't and, and we're going to have somebody on to talk about this a little bit more explicitly, but something like the PRO Act, which is going through Congress right now, the we, protecting that's the right where we were should, and we should go there. You bet. Yeah. Tell everybody about the PRO Act. So the PRO Act is and you can get more information about that at passtheproact.com. Oh, I'm sorry, dot org. Uh, and it's essentially a legislation that uh, is come up with by, you know, many of our labor unions. Uh, and there's this really, really helpful um, kind of like a top 10 list on the first uh-huh. page of there. 10 ways the PRO Act can transform labor rights in the United States. Yeah, and- let me hear that because I read this some t- I, I, I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I want to hear the details. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, so I'm going to pull it up on screen here. So number one, the PRO Act prevents employers from interfering in union activities uh, and prohibits employers from requiring workers to attend anti-union meetings. So like uh, one that, of the things- That's great. Yeah, because right, one of the things that happens right now for people who don't know, and maybe people do know, you know, when you're, when you're organizing a union and the management gets wind of it, they'll call everybody in and essentially bully them into saying right. like, if you get it, this is why you don't need a union, you don't need a third party or whatever, which a yeah, union first, is not a third yeah. party. 
it's Once it's to get it's pulled in, into the break room and told about how we're in the the work family. Yeah, when they bring donuts into the break room and all <laughs> yeah. that other crap. Well, they they fire the they fire the leaders and yeah. the organizers, and then they bring everybody else in and tell them, "Why would you want to split us up? Why would you want to have this kind of divide?" You're right, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I thought we were pals. My first my first factory job when I was working my way through college, I I think you know I was I was a night shift on an assembly line. And most of the workers in there were very, very low paid. I think they were Puerto Rican workers or, or Dominican workers. And I spoke Spanish because I had been living in Mexico when I started there. And um, I think that I, I was talking too much to the uh, to my fellow workers because they fi- the company fired me. And I believe me, I wasn't you couldn't be lazy on an assembly line. They said <laughs> it sets the pace. And I was convinced it's because I was a college student who could speak Spanish and they probably presumed every time they saw me that I was talking to Latinos that I was somehow organizing. organizing yeah. And that's back that in 69, 70, somewhere back there, 70 maybe. The suspicious mind definitely hates when people are talking in another language. Like anybody yeah. who like has like, it kind of projects on the people and be like, oh, are you talking about this? You got to be talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, number two, read it. The PRO Act removes prohibitions on workers acting in solidarity with er- workers at other workplaces and protects workers who engage in peaceful protest actions with their fellow workers. So solidarity strikes would essentially be brought back or legalized again. Yeah, that that is that is in the light of history, truly radical. Uh huh. Notice they're avoiding the term sympathy strikes, which are not. Yeah, can you can you kind of contextualize the a, a little bit of that that a little bit of that like like well, with the Taft Well, if you imagine if you imagine for example, if you imagine a workplace where workers are picketing outside and deliveries are to be made, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about it, and you know maybe the UPS workers who are UPS is organized, mm-hmm. UPS workers refusing to cross the line, and that I believe is actually considered illegal, right? Because it would be considered sympathy striking yeah i that's as i would understand it yeah so essentially if you're a different like if you're a part of um that sort of chain you know and and i mean ups is kind of like a key logistical ones uh railroads you know airports things like that you know if we have organized people who would you know if there's a, a campaign for for example, somebody at a production facility and then shipping shuts down as well, then yeah. you have a lot more power and leverage. Uh, right. to, and to and kind corporate, of you know, back in the 1930s and even in the 40s, the big bosses worried about such actions in particular because those were the makings of general strikes, by the way. Yep. And, and, and that would be, I mean, people talk on Twitter or whatever about like general strike, general strike, like that would actually open the door to possibility on something that you know would be at that level at that scale you're listening to whiv lp new orleans 2.3 this is good morning comrade our guest today is harvey k okay, you want to keep reading or should we rotate i'll read one you read yeah, one go ahead and read three like uh harvey the pro act creates a mediation and arbitration process to ensure newly formed unions reach a first contract Today, even when workers succeed in forming a union, nearly half of newly formed unions fail to ever reach a contract with the employer. That I want to tell you why that's important, and I'll put it in historical terms. Mm-hmm. When the National Labor Relations Act was passed in 1935 and then found const- to be constitutional by the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. the, um, it was pretty much understood that the National Labor Relations Board 
was organized by the federal government to back workers. It wasn't meant to be simply mediation and arbitration or anything like that. Yeah. The idea was it was specifically to make sure that workers had the governments at their back. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not pushing them up against the wall, but pushing them forward. And then in 1947, with the Taft-Hartley Act, the powers of the National Labor Relations Board were rather constrained. And ever since then, when we've had, especially when there have been Republican presidents, they've appointed, you know, truly abysmal folks to the NLRB. And of course, we've had Eugene Scalia, yeah. the son of the infamous, forget his first name, Anton, Antonio Antonin. Scalia, mm-hmm. Antonin. Anthony Scalia of the Supreme Court. And Eugene Scalia is just as was has been a scurvy secretary of labor mm-hmm. chip um, off the old block huh yeah yeah so basically what we've got here is a is a, a recognition that the government the nlrb will stand behind workers efforts to be recognized and reach a contract with yeah and, and one of the things that happens a lot of times when a union is organized and you win the vote and you do everything else you know, the, the first thing that you have to do is begin negotiations. And there is there are very few legal pressures that uh, an employer has that would have them, you know, negotiate in good faith, essentially. They have no real reason to do so. And the only thing that can really pressure them into doing it is the workers withholding their labor. You know, and this, this gives them a leg up. And if it's, you yeah. know, at least on paper. Yeah, we should, and we should let everyone listening or or soon to listen know that that both you and I are are labor unionists. I, mm-hmm. I'm AFT in Wisconsin yep. here, and but however, the sad story on that is that Wisconsin in 1959 was the first state to grant public employees the right to bargain collective, organize and bargain collectively. And then in 19, sorry, 19, listen to me, in 2000 and. <laughs> 2011, with the newly elected right-wing government or regime of Scott Walker and the Republicans here in the state, they literally lifted the right of public employees to to collectively bargain. And then within a couple of years after that, turned Wisconsin, of all states, into a right-to-work state, which basically means a right to work without a labor union protecting you and advancing your interests. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I remember uh, when that, that uh, uprising at the Capitol in Madison yeah. happened, that was one yeah, of the we, most. In essence, we, and I say that not the Royal, we, but the democratic, we mm-hmm. occupied the state Capitol. Incredible. Nice. That was incredible. Um, you had something, Scott? Uh, I can read the next one. Go ahead and read four. Go ahead. The PRO Act prohibits companies from permanently replacing workers who participate in a strike. No scabs. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, right. That, and by the way, I got to tell you, the first time that really came onto my radar, I was living in Green Bay for a few years, and it would have been back in the, I guess back in the 80s, forgetting when, mid to late 80s, and there was a major paper, where, where besides the cheese-making uh, city. This whole valley is paper making, nice. and international. The international paper company. The workers went out on strike. I guess in Maine, maybe Michigan, here in Green Bay. Well, De Pere, Wisconsin, which is the town next door, and the 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 it really split families because there were families in which, you know, people desperate for their incomes, you know, crossed the line, and also the company started hiring scabs. Yeah. You can imagine. It's another sidebar to that, which is notable, is that Jesse Jackson came to Green Bay. He was the one major Democratic political figure who came to speak to what was decidedly an all-white workforce. And I can assure you, 
that that all white workforce would have voted for Jesse Jackson if he got the nomination <laughs> yeah. in 1988. That would have been perhaps something like that. Oh, the old um, Rainbow Coalition. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. And, and, and the, the the scab thing is like one of the really um, things. One of the things that have divided workers over time because you know when when you have you know a, a group of of workers that will come in to replace who I mean need to, to make a living too when you when you bring them in to to do the work that striking workers are doing you're pitting workers against workers and that's and, oh, yeah. and, and making right. that an illegal uh, making something that, that companies can't do to divide workers in a in a And by the way. and historically there's uh -huh. a great film by John Sales Mate One mm -hmm. set in in the West Virginia coal mines and Pretty, pretty accurate historically. I mean, it's Hollywood in a fashion, but very accurate historically. I love the film. It's tragic in many ways, but it's it's interesting. So when the miners went out, the companies went out and recruited Italian workers to come in, thinking they could divide the workforce by way of, you know, sort of the West Virginia Scotch-Irish versus mm -hmm. the Italian workers that came in. But of course, Italian workers brought with them a kind of anarchist organizing tradition. And then they brought in black workers up into the up into the mountains. And it really was remarkable the degree to which workers did actually were able to transcend the ethnic and racial divides. But the, but it is the case, generally speaking, companies have been very effective in trying to use ethnic versus eth ethnic or race versus race, mm -hmm. basically to to break a strike or literally to replace the whole workforce. Yeah. So. And, and yeah, that that's this kind of like way some of the ways that racism has just been weaponized against workers. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Uh, five. OK, five. Uh, OK. The PRO Act prevents employers from misclassifying their workers <laughs> as independent contractors. Ah, the gig workers, right? Yeah, 1099. So, I've had a lot of conversation, and this is before Prop 22, which in California essentially like made a lot of these gig workers into like uh, like for Uber and Lyft for a lot of these delivery companies. They were uh, always, I mean, they, they they basically that was an initiative in in um, Los Angeles, uh, California rather, uh, that essentially codified that that these people do that kind of thing. They're they're not employees. They're independent contractors, which means you don't have to pay into uh, Social Security. You don't have to pay uh, right. taxes on these employee right. payroll taxes. Nothing. And yeah. um, before this even happened, I was talking with a buddy of mine who worked with uh, the painters and glazers out here, the IUPAT. And he basically said a huge part of his job as, um, you know, as, as, you know, working with that yeah. kind of work. It's Chip, um, but he, a huge part of his job was like using, like essentially fighting for, t um, fighting against rather, uh, that kind of misclassification on people in the paint, oh, yeah. the, 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 in right. the trades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, you got six. Mm -hmm. uh, six, the PRO Act authorizes meaningful penalties for employers that violate workers' rights. Whoa, penalties? Those sound <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, meaningful penalties. And what they mean by that, as you can imagine, is the fact that big companies, of course, can just write a check. Yeah. In fact, they're writing checks all the time to their, you know, to their lawyers to make sure that they're you know protected the idea is meaningful penalties would mean a penalty that really does strike their bank accounts in some mm -hmm. fashion 
Yeah, and then seven is uh, that the pro requires that the NRL, NLRB immediately seek an injunction to reinstate workers who suffer retaliation for ex exercising their rights. So if you get suspended, you get fired, you get whatever uh, for organizing on the job. You know, the if if this you know act is implemented and if it's you know carried out faithfully the nlrb essentially says ah, ah boss they're they coming back to work you can't just get rid of them yeah the number eight speaks for itself right mm -hmm. the pro act allows workers to seek justice in court when employers unlawfully interfere with their national labor relations act rights or retaliate against them for exercising those rights okay so i think that speaks for itself mm -hmm. yeah Nine, uh, prevent the product prevents workers from being denied remedies due to their immigration status. Yeah. So that, that's another one of the things that I talked about with Chip, who was with the, you know, yeah. uh, painters and painters and glazers down here is that many of those misclassified workers that that he would represent were undocumented and like, yeah, like, and there would be a, a fear in many situations that they that's would. Right be either disqualified yep. or be pursued through other means uh, I mean, for, for stepping up for, the, you know, for themselves. I mean, that's like indelible part of American culture in the past 20 years is like a contractor pulling up in front of Home Depot and picking up a bunch of guys who just do day work, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, decidedly began, especially in the Southwest, but I'm sure you guys are now part of the larger Southwest. Oh. After the hurricane, Hurricane Katrina is like the most common thing in the world. Like, oh sure, people, that's right. Of course, How they're working. I forget. Uh, they had like day workers working at everything, like mm. literally everything. Mm -hmm. This last one is interesting. The Pro Act requires employers to post notices that inform workers of their rights under the National Labor Relations Act and to disclose contracts with consultants hired to persuade employers. Sorry, employees on how to exercise their rights. What I want to, I just want to summarize this and say back in the 1930s, when, when unionism was strongly, strongly promote, you know, endorsed by Roosevelt and Robert Wagner, the governor, sorry, the Senator from New York state mm -hmm. and the NLRA was passed. There was a term that was used and we don't hear it all at all today. I'd like to see a resurrection of the term industrial democracy. Hmm. The idea is that unionism is not only so that workers get better wages and benefits, which are fundamental. It's also to give workers a voice in the workplace, okay? Mm -hmm. The word democracy being the operative word there. I mean, it's really, I think, important. Yeah, 100%. And, and like, uh, this is all, um, so this is definitely something that focuses heavily on the National Labor Relations Act and uh, the National Labor Relations Board. And I saw that there was some pushback from like uh, certain parts of public employee unions, which don't qualify for NLRA. But um, yeah, I would think that yeah, they, I would think yeah. that like if you're going to have these standards raised for any set of workers, it would definitely provide that same kind of a solid footing that you can essentially have the bar raised across the board. Yeah. I've, in fact, I was going to bring up the fact that as we were reading through this, um, it really is the case that back in the 70s, when public employee unionism was really, really growing and, and spreading fast, um, private sector unions were not keen on endorsing public sector national labor relations type legislation. And I think it's imperative, absolutely imperative for the folks at the AFL-CIO 
to make sure that even if there may have to be some, some exemptions given public health and safety on, on questions of public employees, that in fact, public employee unionism mm -hmm. becomes a right. I mean, I'm hoping that this law can, can serve as the way of overriding all these right to work laws in states, but it may just be the first step in doing all of that. Mm -hmm. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans in two point three. This is Good Morning Comrade. Our guest today is Harvey K. Yeah, and okay. and you can definitely get more information about this at PassTheProact.com. Uh, I know uh, one of the unions that are pushing this very very heavily is the IUPAT International. Uh -huh. I know they did a great yeah. video. I got a buddy that works over there um, with Sarah Nelson uh, talking about the 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 you know positive aspects of of this and pushing it forward. And Sarah Nelson is one of the, you know, great labor leaders in, in the United States. Yeah. One of the, one, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's, it's nice. One of the things that I can say that came out of the past year is a, uh, we've yet to meet face to face, but is something of a friendship with, with Sarah Nelson. And oh. I don't, in case people don't know, Sarah Nelson's greatest claim to fame was her, her appearance. Mm -hmm during the government, the Trump government shutdown mm -hmm. in which she said, well, indeed, if there's a government shutdown, we, we feel we need to fly safely. And to do that, we're going to go out. We're going to go out on a strike. We're going to shut down the airline industry completely until government opens up again. And, and it's we know it's safe to fly. And it it ended the government shutdown. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that's that's crucial. And I assume that she's a leading candidate for the presidency of the AFL-CIO which will be meeting early next fall to choose its new president because Trump will be stepping down. And I don't I don't know how many other people will be seeking the the, the presidency, but I would love to see Sarah Nelson secure yeah, the presidency. She is the she's currently the president of the American Flight Attendants Association. Oh, I should have said that. Yeah, no, it's fine. And uh, she's definitely been like one of the most out front and forward uh People that, that she really kind of strikes that balance for me um, for as, as an organizer and as an advocate for legislation. Like she's yeah. she, like 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 she definitely, at least in my view, the way that I see it, does both. She's constantly doing these live videos. She does as many uh, appearances like publicly as, as I've seen any labor leader do to to essentially talk with and engage with not just union members in her own union but but the public more broadly and that's really really key yeah it still hurts me that i had arranged for her to come out to wisconsin to green bay mm -hmm. to speak here and either to my students or as i ended up arranging it to the wisconsin labor history society which is a labor group of a couple of hundred members that has a we do a conference every year and she was going to be the speaker <laughs> But it was scheduled for late March, early April, and the pandemic struck mm -hmm. and the whole event was canceled. And just it kills me that we didn't get get an opportunity to have her out here. But she she is she's smart. She's determined, very progressive. If anybody's ever interested, they should go online to YouTube and dial up something like uh, DSA gathering. Oh, my God. Sarah yeah. Nelson. That, that was the great, speech where she said speech. that like solidarity is a force stronger than gravity, which is just like that is a rhetorical flourish that is just so good. You know, yeah, she gives I, a she's a was, hell of a speech giver too, and Absolutely. beautifully framed with historical references. I'm very happy to say, really, <laughs> yeah. really, really great. In fact, I said to her, 
who wrote your speech? I did, and not to insult you, but who wrote your speech? She goes, oh, I did. And I said, well, how long did it take you? Well, I, and it turned out she just, she didn't wing it, but she, she put it together not too long before she delivered it. And it was one of the best speeches I, I've ever heard a labor figure give in years and years. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like on a similar subject, and we, we talked about a bit about this a little bit before we came, you know, before we went on air, uh, we, we had the, um, the, the strike, the striking workers for the Teamsters 202 in, um, in New Hunter's York. Hunt's Point, is it? Hunt's Point. Hunt's Point. And, yeah. uh, you know, while all the stuff with the, you know, the spectacle of all of the uh, inauguration stuff that was happening last night, we get this fantastic video of, of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is one of, uh, who's one of the, you know, members of the squad, one of the most progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in so much as that word has meaning, um, one of the most, <laughs> I know what you mean. yeah, uh, one of the most like one of the strongest advocates for working people. I'll, yeah. I'll put it in those terms. In in Do you in, have the video? Can you play it? I can pull up the video, but but yeah, actually, give me one second and let me because I have up. not seen the video. I'd love to be able to see that. Yeah, oh yeah, she's in the street like like yelling on a bullhorn and stuff. They they I, I read something about it where uh, they actually had a train going to like uh kind of subvert the strike but the, the the guy driving the train was in the same union so he turned it around hell yeah <laughs> well you you look for it you want me to entertain everyone yeah, yeah. do you do yeah. the vamp for me please folks so, <laughs> so okay, harvey so. how was how was the green bay season this year how was the green going. bay season yeah. well as you probably know and i my pity to the to the saints on your behalf um <laughs> whatever the packers which I hope everyone realizes is a fan owned team. Okay. We won baby. In fact, it, you know, we're going into the NFC championship on Sunday against Brady and the bucket. I almost said Patriots Brady and the Buccaneers. Right. And uh, I I'm feeling good about the possibilities for a Super Bowl. Oh, here we yeah. go. Good. Yeah. Good. Here we go. So here's AOC. Uh, the tweet right here is from David Cruz. Something's upside down here. Here we go. Right. That's not right. 
upside down. And so we, what we're doing here today is taking the upside down and making it right side up. And the only way we do that, we don't do that with just like a politician like myself. We do that with people and collective struggle together. So I come here to just be here shoulder to shoulder with each of you all. And for all of our workers here, for all of our, our other unions that are operating in solidarity coming out here, thank you for showing up. And for anybody who might be watching or hearing, who isn't part of you, who's just in the neighborhood, pull up! Pull up! That is incredible. I mean, like, yeah. like that is the kind of stuff that, I mean, I, I'm sure that y'all have, uh, you know, seen the idea or the approach of like, email your congressperson or call your congressperson <laughs> or something like that. But this is your congressperson in Queens in the Bronx showing <laughs> right. up on a picket line with you, just like, oh my god that is just so incredible that i don't know uh, you, you know what i see you know what i see there you know what i don't see i don't know someone see you're stopping the steal baby oh, where she's forcing the vote you mean yeah where she forces the vote <laughs> <laughs> you know it's what's what's funny is i think back to when i i was so thrilled when she she was a, she already elected when they re, they revealed that that video of her, the conservatives thought this was if some was going to somehow embarrass her when they yeah. revealed that video of her of dancing on the rooftop in New York City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, I'll that tell you, like... when I saw that, I wanted to adopt her. I thought she <laughs> yeah. was absolutely. I mean, I I just thought, oh my god, this is this is the person I'd like as my congressperson. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's so weird that they thought they'd like get her off the internet as like like they they'll get her out of Congress because she like made started a YouTube channel and like tried to dance <laughs> on it when like the president was like on a reality show. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's some like spectacle to what she's done and, and to what she's doing, but that's just a part of the game. Like that's how that's politics, baby. You know, that's just how it yeah. works. And yeah, um, Huey Long Soul Bibles. <laughs> Everybody's got their their like their theatrics, you know? <laughs> yeah well and she dances well period yeah, there you go there you go but uh right. yeah so so aoc is good uh she she really i mean like i don't know man like like i could not i live in steve scalise's district so like, yeah, right? if there's a strike in jefferson parish where i live i'm pretty convinced he's not gonna show up <laughs> well yeah. we i in my district the, the the congressional rep is a guy named mike gallagher who's a uh He's smart in the sense he's got a PhD yeah. and he's a, a military veteran, but he's not smart because he's a conservative, period. Yeah, yeah. And this is the kind of guy who doesn't seem to grasp that whether 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 you have money or not, you deserve Medicare, you mm -hmm. deserve health care. Yeah. So how how a guy can get elected from northeast Wisconsin, where this is, a, this is a Green Bay industrial blue collar city with a vast population of immigrant workers as well in, in packing plants. I mean, the big industries here are cheese and, you know, dairy generally, meat packing, Logistics. I mean, this is, and paper making. So yeah. there you have it. And the fact is that a congressman who won't vote for Medicare for all, that, unbelievable. But to come back to this question you brought up, Scott, of force the vote, I mean, look, the last thing the last thing the left should ever do is go after their greatest voice yeah. who is herself a freshman or has been a freshman in Congress. You don't go after your weakest link. 
Okay, it's just unacceptable. And Jimmy, I don't trust Jimmy Dore because he he tried, he literally was trying to build his show on a call to go after, you know, AOC and the squad. That that was unacceptable. Yeah, it's like it's like disco demolition. Like, why is he saying all this terrible stuff? Not because it's like somebody believed in, because it's like getting ratings, like getting, you know, it's just like a a big fervor kind of thing. Yeah, and and that's not to say that people do have like you know reservations about aoc they're like oh like you know any politician in a long enough time scale you're gonna be like well what do they got what do they get in front of me you know like no, i i don't buy that i don't, I don't Bernie buy Bernie is it. a pretty good case no. of that not being i don't see jimmy Dore out on a cold oh, night no, 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 no i'm just saying with workers Uh-oh. i'm just saying that as an example like people like will generally get skeptical of like public figures oh well yeah like, generally you know, like right it's like the michael jordan thing it's like the michael jordan thing he was uh, very peerless <laughs> until he like went gambling one night and everybody's like, oh God, yeah, can you believe this guy? <laughs> one thing, Scott, you bring me down to earth with your remarks. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Scott's, yeah, that's that's Scott's, Scott's the anchor in reality of this program. <laughs> the um, you know what I'm, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like people. people well, other, wait, no, I mean, understand. I mean, some of the other people who came out as support support of the force to vote surprised me because I, I have I have respect for them and I've had had tremendous respect and and in, in the case of Brianna Joy Gray, I mean, we were friendly and mm-hmm. I did a podcast with her for for Hear the Burn, but it just strikes me you don't go after you don't go after the youngest weakest link. Yeah in the in the yeah. uh, in the party and, and, and it's not it. even to say that you can't be like critical of of what they're doing or what they're saying or things like that but 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 how that critique is delivered is really oh important. and then the cr- right the crude and vulgar way he delivered it uh-huh. i yeah. mean he literally went over the top he must have one can only imagine he was on something when that happened or if he's not then <laughs> i mean know. that 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 person does not look like a sellout to me that person I mean, does not look like somebody who's standing between, you know, us and healthcare. You know? I mean, yeah. we're worried about AOC, but D- Diane Feinstein just put in for like another, like she's going to run again, like at 91. Yeah, that won't happen. That that won't happen. You don't think? Nah, she'll be primaried. Oh, good. Inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> so just to kind of like, you know, get off of this point, just because I wanted to talk about it. I'll, I'll give briefly. you, I mean, I can even name possible people of primary. Okay. Yeah. That Ro Khanna, the congressman from oh, there California. You go. Yeah, there's he's one. interesting. There's another fellow who's uh, been a very, very progressive uh, figure in the Medicare for all stuff in California and earned income tax credit and also fighting the gig stuff. You know, yeah, that's really a guy, na- a guy named Joe that. San. Yeah, a guy named Joe Sandberg, who, who is, a, in fact, an entrepreneur, but very much on on the left. Right, was a strong supporter of Bernie. I mean, there are a number of people who could who could take her on and I think uh, I think unseat her. Well, if we're talking about like silly election things, uh, uh, you think you think uh, Yang's running for mayor in New Orleans, New York? Well, I think he is. I mean, he sure is, <laughs> he's, has he announced he, But I can tell you, I heard something like thirty people have already said or indicated an interest in running for mayor of New York. Oh, is it going to be like a? Is it going to be like a weird uh, one where Howard Stern runs or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> No, ma- no, maybe I should push my daughter who lives in Brooklyn to. Law and Order has been on TV for 21 years. People love ADAs. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she's a attorney, assistant attorney general, not a district attorney. Oh, my bad. You are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans on This is Good Morning Comrade. Our guest today is Harvey K. Change subject okay. slightly. Uh, sure. The Chicago Teachers Union, and this one hits really, you know, home for me. 
uh, they're starting a vote on on refusing in-person teaching again. Uh, <laughs> More power really to wild them. things about. More power to them. Oh my god! I mean, so much. Why? 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 Why are people? You know, it, on one hand, you think. Well, all these parents are so desperate to get their kids back into school because they don't know how to handle them. And then, you know, so let's let's send the teachers back. On mm-hmm. the other hand, why don't they pay their teachers combat pay? OK, yeah. for these kinds of things. I mean, you know, it's just the, the irony is is glaring in so much of this here in Wisconsin, down the road, 40 miles as a city, which is sending their teachers back in if the teachers, are, you know, accepted mm-hmm. but here in green bay fortunately the teachers are still online teaching good for them um, orleans you know, just I, went back to basically full-time online teaching in jefferson parish where i live we've been i mean having this this wild hybrid situation where teachers are teaching the kids in front of them and also teach kids at home so they're doing both like over over a um, you know Google voice yeah. a Google you know meets or a Zoom call like this and it's just you know I've been out of the game for a couple of months just because of of the uh, I took a you know unpaid leave uh, to you know not put my you know my family in that kind of position um, and it's been difficult because you know, you're not working you're yeah. not making any money right. um, but but but. Like the the I, I work with a group called Louisiana Educators United. I work I talk with uh, teachers all the time uh, about like what can we potentially do to organize this and and people are very, very upset. People are very, very angry and they feel like teachers and, and families are completely pushed uh, to the limit. And and, and and one other thing too that and I just saw that one of the things I mean Biden was putting in a couple of he's done a couple of you know decent things and and the sort of run up to his um you know taking yeah. the presidency one right. of the things that he put on his 100 days um sort of agenda is to get school get schools open uh which is not great i because like like yes sure schools could and should be open however like yeah, there's a very clear signal that's being said when schools are open people like do have that sort of like childcare element and it sends a very clear signal that if school if it's safe enough to have schools are open then it's safe enough for you go to go to work and and and, and it sort yeah. of denies the reality that we're in the middle of this like historic pandemic that's killed over 400,000 Americans you know yeah right yeah it was like well I hope he I, I hope he doesn't mean let's send the teachers back in period Mm -hmm. because his own wife is a teacher Mm -hmm. and she ought to be able to take him by the scruff of the neck and say what the hell are you doing (laughs) it it was weird it it was weird when we were working at the pizza place like uh, i worked at a couple restaurants during this and uh it's weird because you're like man i wish more people in here but also people should not be leaving the house like yeah yeah right well we haven't gone to a restaurant in since march yeah I we, we've taken out, out we've taken out, gone out and curbside pickup and yeah. that kind of thing but we haven't and we've ordered in you know yeah. that, but not we haven't gone into a restaurant it's so weird like how this is gonna keep going on i guess <laughs> well i i can tell you since i i'm scheduled for the first of the two vaccines next friday Ooh. and i didn't expect that it's for people over 65 or maybe over 60 mm-hmm. maybe they'll get that far so i can i'm hopeful that maybe by summer There'll be enough folks vaccinated that restaurants can 
if they haven't closed forever, can come back and maybe even look, people are going to be who can afford to do it. I mean, obviously, people have been stretching their limited incomes right now. Mm -hmm. But I would bet that I would bet people are going to do everything in their power to get out to to enjoy themselves when they when they when the time comes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast food places will see all the more action and better restaurants you know, that cater to the rich will see all the more action. <laughs> right, and, exactly. And we'll hope that others do too. And, you know, the other thing is, is maybe just maybe the likes of Bernie and the squad can persuade Biden to go with $2,000 a month, not yeah. one-time $2,000. Yeah, or $2,000 yeah, These, these one-time checks that he have to keep getting authorized through the legislature every single time, like that is... So it's such a like monumental task to do it every single time for this small amount of money. And it's all it's all coming with these giveaways, you know, to these giant corporations yeah. at the same time. It's like if we can find right. a way to make this automatic, at least yeah, I'll just a... tell I mean, I, we never actually introduced who I am. I, but I, I so I'll just mention to everyone that I've, I've been a professor for 43 years. And this past summer, when the question came up of how are we going to do our teaching at the university? And it was pretty clear it was going to be and I was not going to go into classrooms, period. But I neither did I have any desire to do online teaching. I love online conversations, mm -hmm. online shows, but it's a hell of a lot different than if you guys were in a class of 30 or 40 or 50. And I had to somehow sustain interest mm -hmm. with folks who didn't even necessarily turn on their video, you might say. So I, I decided as much as I thought I would never, ever retire, I did retire. Mm -hmm. And so this year I spend my time reading and doing these kinds of shows. But I really do feel for my colleagues who have to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah, the, yeah I mean, it's just, it's different. Like like these kinds of conversations like we're having over, over Zoom, like I, I'd obviously prefer to be sitting in the room having a drink with you and, and yeah, talking. Yeah, sure. Oh, to me too. Right. But, 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 but. Like you're saying, it's just so impersonal to talk with a group of 30 plus people, like you said before, might not have their video on. You don't know if they're paying attention. You don't know what's happening. And you don't like, even know if they're sitting there. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's reports of, of kids like putting on like a background. And yeah, right. like, they would just have a background of the, a video of them just like, oh, OK. You know, like, you know, like in, the, in the football stadium, they've been playing you know, crowd noises and music. Yeah. But they, what they do is they don't have like a full three and a half hours worth of it. They literally run it over. Yeah. Over uh, it's again. like, it's like one of those old heist movies where it's just a video on a loop. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Although that would have been a good way. Although I, I just, I don't like recording something for the sake of students. I like to engage with the students. Yeah. So, you know, when everybody goes back into classrooms, my, colleagues and the university have said well if you want to come back and teach a course every so often we'd more than be more than happy to have you and i might just do that just for the interaction yeah 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 i mean that that's one of the things that like i don't know when i was in college i was always the kind of guy that would sit up in the front i would like you know have questions i was that annoying kid well no no in fact as a professor i could tell you you were probably fully appreciated mm -hmm. and the folks who sat in the back who wanted to be ignored they didn't escape me in my classes because I generally would call on people sitting <laughs> sitting in the back just to shake things up. <laughs> in Classic. fact, I got to tell you as quickly, as long as you brought that up. Yeah. So in, in the big lecture hall that I taught in it was a new lecture hall in, in, in this new building we were in. So we had maybe 120 students in the classroom the, on way up above uh, high on the wall. There were windows. So people on the second floor or third floor 
of the building could actually look into the classrooms, look wow. down into the classrooms. So one day I get back to my office and a few of my senior students come to my office and they said, hey, we got to tell you, those students sitting in the back of your lecture hall, they're playing a game. They're playing, a, they're playing games on their computers. <laughs> so it was hangman. Who the hell knows what it was? But the point was, so I went in one day and I said, hey, what's the game today? And it's, it scared the crap out of these kids. They thought, wow. They actually wondered which one of them turned each other in, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they just defaulted to thinking like, oh, there's no way we got caught. Like, it's got to be somebody told on me. <laughs> right, yeah. There you go. Uh, we should yeah, probably start wrapping up yeah. soon. It's getting towards yeah, lunchtime. Yeah, we should wrap it up. But uh, just suffice to say, you know, solidarity with the, te the teachers in Chicago and also everywhere else that are uh, either, you know, being forced back into work or who are, you know, resisting going into work. Solidarity with the Hunts Point workers and all the folks that are... Uh, standing up for i mean it's they're negotiating for a dollar wage out there and the boss won't yeah. give them that right. you know and and again this is in the midst of a, a global pandemic and and all those other yeah. things uh i know you have a couple of appearances coming up you wanted to talk about uh you going on uh, a couple programs you want to well i mean here i am with you and mm -hmm. and then later today i'm going to be on the nomi the nomi key show dear friend of mine nomi key mm -hmm. and then tonight David Feldman show. These are both on YouTube, Nomi Kien and David Feldman. Mm -hmm. um, there's something coming up big next week. Well, tomorrow night I'm recording a show with Left Anchor. Oh, I love Two those very guys. Smart. Yeah, they are great. Um, Alexi and Ryan, mm -hmm. one's an academic, the other's a journalist. Two very, very smart guys. I, mm -hmm. I love doing podcasts with them. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming up, but I can just point out to people, if... I know the times are tough. People don't have a lot of money, but if Take they're interested in reading about the American radical tradition and why we need to embrace it today, this book came out last year. Take hold of our history. Make America radical again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic okay. book. I, I should lend you my copy, Scott. Yeah, I'll definitely read or, that. Or, or, or if his birthday's, or if his birthday's coming up, buy him his own copy. Yeah, oh, Jeff, wow. you didn't give me enough for my birthday. What the hell? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be on the you're gonna be on the on the phone with the guy and be like, oh, "I'll just give you my book." <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and you also have uh, the Radical FDR book that you can see beautifully put in the shop. Oh, yeah, if you're the, watching us on YouTube. This, uh, this FDR came out and last democracy. Spring. FDR and democracy. Whoops. FDR and democracy. People don't people don't realize just how ra how radical the the arguments FDR made were. Uh -huh. And in and in some ways. If, if we had gotten Bernie as our candidate and our president, what we would have seen is the resurrection of the best of FDR. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah everybody always has these cool things to put in their, their view. All I have is this, like, this model I built. Wow. What, <laughs> what's that, a transformer? No, it's just like a robot. <laughs> oh, it's a robot. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, Harvey My K. grandson, my six-year-old grandson, would, my five-and-a-half-year-old grandson would love it. Uh, yeah, probably so. You had to. Yeah. It's like it's like a model, like those old Snap-on model cars. Uh -huh. You like build yeah. it all up and stuff. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> listen, Scott. I hope the pizza place has come back soon. Yeah. Seriously, seriously, and and uh, Jeff, I I wish you well in trying to get back into the classroom or making real money. Yeah. And uh, and we'll talk. I I hope you'll call me again to to talk again sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Harvey. Yeah, nice to meet you. This was a lot man. of fun. Very we nice always have fun you. with Harvey K. 
Okay. All right. Talk Professor to you Harvey soon. K. Solidarity. The, oh. If anyone's interested, it's K A Y E. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the other way. Harvey J K on Twitter. is my handle on Twitter. Okay. Don't waste time looking for me on Facebook. I, I'm there, but I've never used it. So just, <laughs> whoa. You know? Thanks as always, Harvey. I'll take a look okay. on, uh, take care. on Mickey. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay, talk soon. Bye bye. I want to once again thank Harvey K for joining us on the show this week. Uh, you can find more information about Harvey K following him on Twitter at Harvey JK, as he mentioned on his way out. Uh, you can also uh, get more information about uh, Good Morning Comrade uh, on our website, goodmorningcomrade.com, where you can find out how to support the show and various things like that. You can also get more information, um, or you can follow us uh, on Twitter. You can follow Good Morning Comrade on Twitter at Comrade Morning, and you can follow me on on Twitter at uh, Eminent Prof. So uh, thanks so much, everybody, for uh, listening thanks for you know all the support that the folks that you folks have been giving us over the years uh it's 2021 and hopefully we can make it a good one uh you you are listening to whiv lp new Orleans 102.3 this is good morning comrade